you can use the insurance company where you get a line of credit against the cash that's in here. So the cash is the collateral. They're using that money to then go and turn around and loan right back out to you. We're making a higher interest rate on this money. So we're making that spread. And then we can still invest in these better investment vehicles like real estate. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here and Heather Marchant still on location. Still on location. This what location, Heather? Denver. So Denver. one thing I learned yesterday is that Denver has afternoon thunderstorms. I'm guessing just in the summer, but like every evening that caught me off guard. I got caught in hail last week outside of Denver, and now I think I know why every afternoon it has crappy weather. There so. you go. Well, we have thunderstorms here as well, pretty much every day. But it's because oh, every day it's because of the heat. Um, so, hey, we have we have good news today to share with everybody. We've been talking so much about the market and everything that you know relatively sucks lately. That I thought I would share just some good statistics for a change. It always um, feels good. Yeah. Guys, average rent since 1980 has gone up 8.86% per year. That's pretty consistently. Not totally bad. Crazy. Not bad. Another fun fact is that 78.1% of renters pay their rent on time and in full, which <laughs> I bet a lot of people wouldn't have believed. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. That's There's a lot. lot of good renters out there. Look at that. Just the few. That, Look at that. That give people that vibe. We have a really good show today, though. It has probably less to do with rent and or rain, unless we're talking about making it rain. <laughs> We've got Chris Miles back with us. Heather, you want to introduce Chris? Because I'm going to introduce yeah. Chris a little different as soon as we as soon as you get done. Yeah. So I, man, we've worked together, Chris, for several years and referred clients back and forth and our business models just align really well. Chris is an anti-financial advisor, <clears throat> which I love. <laughs> he you. helps, yeah, he's helped hundreds of clients reduce their debts, increase their cash flow, help them have financial freedom. His clients love him because I hear from them all the time how great he is changing their financial lives. And really a lot of, I feel like from what I've heard, Chris, a lot of their perspectives as well on how, they should consider debt and income and a different uh, perspective of a way to look at it, which I think is really cool that you offer kind of a change in pace that way, considering being an anti-financial investor. So Very unique. He's got an awesome podcast that y'all should go check out. Always dropping kernels of great value on his show. Chris, what's the name of your show? I was going to say Money Rebels, but that's the name of your company. So I know it's not that. It is now. It's actually because so many people have done just what you did. We changed the name to Money Ripples Podcast. I, oh. Look at that. Look at that. Yep. Chris, fun fact. Chris is the first person who paid me. Do you remember this, Chris? He is oh, my yeah. first 100, six-figure six speaking fee was right here. I kept it, Chris. <laughs> it's right there. I haven't spent it, nor have I invested it. It's been sitting alongside of my first dollar bill that I ever made in, in business. There it is. My first wonder which one's figure. depreciating faster, huh? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, welcome to the show, man. We're going to talk about some fun stuff today. 
we are going to like go back to recession speak for just a second, but in a positive way, let's figure out how to beat this sucker. Yeah. Having a positive spin on it. I think looking at ways to hedge against everything going up in price. One thing that we've talked about this week, Ron, is how creating passive income and creating cash flow allows you to potentially not pick up a second job or find another way to be able to keep up with inflation. But exactly. I think this conversation is super helpful because a lot of people are saying, I just want to be a little more liquid right now. I just want to have a little bit more cash and, or they're just kind of stagnant, like hide my money under a mattress. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to go for safety. And I think that this is a really cool perspective for those people who are feeling a little bit nervous, but also for anybody with some extra liquid. So I'm pumped. So Chris, tell us how we can utilize permanent life insurance as a tool to beat inflation and this recession that we're, that we're coming on. I was just telling one of my friends at lunch today about it. And he was like, what? You can do what? And I said, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. So tell us a little bit about it, man. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, based on what inflation is doing right now, it won't beat it, you know, to be honest. I mean, this is, this is why I've referred clients to you over the last nine years, right? Because we need alternative investments right now. We need more things like real estate investing. And like you said, I mean, we've had average rents going up almost 9% a year average since 1980. I mean, that's right there, an inflation hedge in and of itself, right? Now, to your point, I mean, how can you use permanent life insurance? For the most part, if you use the traditional whole life insurance, which we talk about here, whole life, it's crap, okay? It's not good. You know, you've bought it. I bought it. Like we all bought the, the traditional stuff that you have no cash value, no savings account that's in there that you can utilize. It's really more of a death benefit. But a very um, expensive. You get one that's low benefit. cost, high cash, you know, where you have more money going to that tax free, supercharged savings account in there. The returns are at least, I was, like I was telling Heather, gross returns are like pretty close to 6% right now. And with inflation, when there's higher bond rates, those numbers go up because just 20 years ago, some of those were paying double digits. You know? So we were paying like 10%. Right now, it's right around five and a half to 6%. It's pretty typical. And the cash on cash return, it's going to be like four to 5% if you set it up right after insurance costs and everything. So that doesn't sound sexy, right? Like, okay, yay, I made four and a half or 5% net on my life insurance. Well, that's true. If you use it like every other insurance agent tries to tell you to do, which by the way, insurance agents are broke. They're just as much in the rat race as anybody else in America. They're not any financially savvier than you or I are. In fact, probably less so. So don't listen to them. But what we do do with these policies, do do, and we don't poo poo on it. We don't do do. Right? <laughs> what we do with these policies is uh, we do actually use them. We get a line of credit against them. And this is where it's awesome because you can get a bank line of credit or just use the insurance company where you get a line of credit against the cash that's in here. So the cash is the collateral, right? So you want to build this as fast as you can because when you get this line of credit against it, if you're paying a lower interest rate than what they're paying you, you're making a spread. You're doing the same thing the bank yeah. does to you when they borrow your money from your savings account, right? They're obviously not letting your savings just sit there and do nothing. They're leveraging the money that they have in assets that you give them. With interest, they're paying you debt, right? They're using that money to then go and turn around and loan right back out to you. So maybe they pay you a point nothing percent at the bank, but they're loaning it back out to you at three, four, five, eighteen percent through various means, whether it be car loans, credit cards, mortgages, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. We're just doing the same thing. We're just turning the tables in our favor, where we become the bank, 
where we say, well, let's get this line of credit against it from a bank at a lower interest rate while we're making a higher interest rate on this money. So we're making that spread. And then we can still invest in these better investment vehicles like real estate, right? You know, so for example, say you get a just a 10% cash on cash return on that real estate property just by using the life insurance to fund that instead of using your own savings account, which means you make nothing because you pull the money out of savings, it's gone. But with your life insurance, it's now making, say, at least a net one or 2% plus return there. And you're also making the 10% at the same time. So now your 10% becomes like 11, 12 or more percent, depending on how it's compounding. Oh, yeah. It's the uninterrupted nature of compounded interest that really works. And that, I think that's one of the things that people don't get is that yeah. if you're constantly interrupting your returns, it's not this massive compounded interest that you would normally have. And if you can, can keep your money in a bucket growing while it's also in another bucket growing and you're arbitraging the two of those or getting the spread, as you said, it's way more powerful because it's still compounding the whole time. That's right. And I that can tell you, stop. Chris, because I just looked it up, Chase offers a whopping 0.01% on all of its accounts. But if you want to lock it up for a year in a CD, they'll give you 0.05% on your money. Oh, how nice of them. Right? Oh, right. How about so, a run on the uh, bank? I'm telling you, uh, <laughs> by the time I run money. there, it'll already inflated and I would have lost that money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, time value of money on 0.01. I'm not sure. Yeah, right. Great. Gosh, they're well, making so much money on that. That's insane. I, I want to break it down a little bit for people that have, they're just hearing about this. Cause when you first told me about this, Chris, I think you had to tell me a few times before I really yeah. gathered it. So, or grasped it. So, if you take out a million dollar policy, it's like a smaller policy, right? So nothing crazy huge. And you pay, like your premium is roughly what? Like four or 5,000? I don't know. It just depends Here. on your age and your health rate. Yeah, I true, mean, obviously true. the younger you are, the cheaper it is. But what we do is we make it even simpler than that. Because yeah. yeah, a lot of those insurance guys will say, well, let's just you X death benefit, right? We do something different. We don't let the death benefit drive it. We figure out, What's the amount you want to put in per year? What is it you want to contribute as a max amount per year? And that max amount can be anywhere from like a few thousand dollars a year to a few million dollars a year or more. I mean, you can contribute anything. So here's the cool thing. It's kind of like a Roth IRA, right? Where you put in with after-tax dollars, it grows tax-free, comes out tax-free. But the difference is there's no 59 and a half rule. There's no dumb 10% penalties. You know, if you take it out before then, there's no... uh issues with like, I have to keep in there for five years and all this kind of stuff, right? And there's Nothing no like that. ridiculous freaking paperwork you have to do every year yeah. for all of your investments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, oh, and, man, and, I'm so I mean, and, and about I that. always laugh when financial advisors say, oh, Roth IRA, you can retire. Yeah, but if I can only put in six or $7,000 a year, how am I going to retire off that crap, mm -hmm. right? That's impossible. You never save up enough money in those. And then if you make too right. much money, make more than a few hundred thousand dollars a year, you can't contribute to a Roth anyways, unless you're trying to do the whole backdoor Roth, which they're trying to close that door on us with Congress and whatever other type of little shenanigans they're trying to play on us, right? So it's nice to know that with life insurance, we don't have all these games. You know, it's pretty simple. So we figure out what the max is. So like, for example, someone wants to put in $20,000 a year as a max. Their minimum, again, depending on age, health rating, the younger and healthier you are, the cheaper, the bigger the range is. 
Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to put in 20,000 a year, the minimum that you actually have to put in may only be like 4,000 a year, maybe something like yeah. that. So you have this range that you can do between this and that. Now, the more you put in, obviously the better. Um, that's the key. Uh, so what we do is we figure out what's the least death benefit you need to allow $20,000 to go in and still stay tax-free. We try to stay within those guidelines that they set. What determines that? The bigger the death benefit or the insurance costs, the more you can dump into these plans, right? So like you said, Heather, for a million dollars, well, for a 25-year-old million-dollar policy, they the max they might be able to put in is some of the ballpark, maybe around $20,000 or so, $25,000-ish, probably about twenty-five to 30000 But for a 50-year-old, a million dollars might be more like 60000 a year, right? Is mm-hmm. the max they can put in. So that's why we just try to dumb it down and say, listen, forget about the death benefit. We could address that, obviously, because people still want that. But I mean, we could buy convertible term insurance if you wanted to have a bigger death benefit, but you can't afford to pay those kind of premiums. Not a problem. You can always do some stuff to make it work. Hmm. So if you so you're overfunding the policy, you're paying more than this what is required. And then yeah. you can access those funds and take them back out to invest, like you said. What percentage do you get to have access to kind of right away? Yeah. So let's do that $20,000 example, right? The $4,000, the minimum. So in that first year, that extra $16,000 you put in is pretty much what's going to cash, right? So you have $16,000 of cash sitting in there from day one. Now you do have to wait 30 days. Some of them have started to put rules in because everybody's starting to move money around a lot more with people getting a little tighter on money. So they're like, okay, you can't just set it up and pull out the next day. Let's allow 30 days to wait. But after 30 days, you can access 95% of whatever cash is in there. Okay. So again, like we said, you put in 20,000, 4,000 pays for your insurance costs, that's gone, leaving you 16,000. Well, that 16,000, you can access just over 15 grand. And you okay. can do that in about 30 days. Okay, awesome. And then you go and invest that, those $16,000, is that earning interest with the policy while it's being loaned out? It is. Yes. That's the important point, right? Is that when you take out a loan, you're not pulling the money out of your own account. That's what confuses a lot of people because there's people out there, they call themselves infinite bankers, right? And they'll say, oh, well, you can borrow from yourself and then you pay yourself back interest. That's bull crap. They just say that because they're trying to compete with Dave Ramsey. And the thing is, when you're trying to compete at that level, everybody loses, right? (laughs) So uh, you tell them a big Dave Ramsey fan. (laughs) But so the problem is this is that your 16,000 is still in there earning interest. You don't touch it. What happens is that whether it's the insurance company or you get a bank line of credit, you are able to get a line of credit against it. Just like if you got a HELOC against your house, it's not like you're literally pulling cash out of your house. Like you're yeah. pulling out of the walls. You know, you're yeah. not doing that, right? Like you're actually just getting cash from the bank or from the insurance company acting as that, that bank. They're charging you interest on that money. But at the same time, you're earning interest on that full 16,000. So even if you borrow 10, you're only paying interest on 10. You borrow 15, you're paying interest on 15. You borrow five, you're paying interest on five. Um, the key, and I know Ron, you have a cool little video on this, right? Is what happens is as you get the cash flow, so say that you do borrow 15,000, that helps you put as a down payment on a single family home. Well, now you're using the cash flow from that to pay towards your line of credit. The cool thing is you can have as many lines of credit as you want. Really, it's all up to 95% of the cash. So every year you pay your premium into that life insurance, it builds up the cash more, you can access more. So it's really like building up this tax-free supercharged savings account that's still there, but the line of credit 
you're able to borrow from at any time. Oh, here's the cool thing. Unlike some lines of credit where you're worried about the bank taking it away from you, that doesn't happen here because it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed never to lose money. So banks know that. They don't take the money away. What they will do is they'll say, hey, great, you can take out a loan. And then in some cases, if it's only 95%, they'll even let you let the interest accrue. So they're like, yeah, you don't even have to pay the interest. So which means you don't even have to make monthly payments. You can pay it back however, whenever you want. The deadline, however, is your death. So once you die, they have to be paid back it's at that due. point. But then they just pay you back with the death benefit. Because like you said, you know, Heather, if you have a million dollar death benefit and say you have at that point, $250,000 of loans, great. They just pay off those loans. And then the other three quarters of a million pays your family tax-free. So mm-hmm. it's a great in the sense that like a home equity line of credit, you got to start making cash flow right away. And if you don't, you still got to make that payment here you're not required to make payments. And so there's a lot more flexibility in that sense. Uh, by the way, I'm still a fan of using home equity line of credit or getting out home equity to invest, but for the easiness sake, you know, and and that, you know, even if you're investing in something that might be like a fix and flip, right? And you've got like six months, you're trying to do this deal. You don't want to be paying interest in the meantime. Well, great. You can just pull out the money, go do all your renovations. And then when you've sold the house, then you can pay it back if you wanted to or not. You can pay back yeah. the interest, you can pay back the, the loan and then use that money again or whatever. I mean, it's a very fluid line of credit. You can use however, whenever you want. And it's pretty fast. Every time I've taken money out of mine in order to fund a purchase, it's like a week, maybe less. So yeah. I like to use it sometimes as like my emergency fund in there too, because I can get the funds so quickly. I don't keep as much in my checking and savings. When I go to qualify for a loan these days, if I don't send them my whole life policies, they're like, wow, what? (laughs) I'm like, well, I don't keep it in there. It makes nothing. So I moved the money to the whole life. Very cool. That's true. Yeah. Like my wife, she says, Chris, we need to keep a quarter million in cash just for emergencies, just in case the world blows up. Right. Which would mean, I guess the bank blew up too, but in any case, if things you're go, good. you know, you're good. It's FDIC insured. So it's all good. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, fine. it's safe, you know, but I mean, but like you said, I, it, we talked about inflation at the very beginning of this, right? We don't want to get earned point nothing percent that we get taxed on, by the way, with the bank account, we get taxed on point nothing percent. We don't want that. We want it to actually be doing something. So of that 250,000, we'll keep about 50,000 in the bank and online savings accounts, mm-hmm. but the other 200,000 sits in life insurance earning tax-free about 5% a year. You know, which by the way, when you factor in taxes and stuff, that's like the bank pay me at least really about an 8% return based on my tax rate, which mm-hmm. a bank will never do. So be able to have that money sitting there, if it's going to do nothing, I might as well have something there. And like you said, whenever I try to get you know loans, we're trying to get a property, I don't even send them my bank statements anymore. I just send them the statement from my life insurance, say, here, here's my proof of, of emergency funds. Yeah. Here's my proof of funds for the, for the deal or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, all right, check. Yeah. Next. Exactly. Oh, and they move on to the loan process, right? That's yeah. There is a lot you can in. do. To them, <laughs> yeah. it's as good as cash. I guess the biggest takeaway for my buddy today at lunch was that this is the best savings account. Because I mean, he has enough liquid that he he actually can get like two and a half percent from UBS. Like he's a big deal. Yeah. So they accept his money and pay him two and a half percent where all the rest of us don't even get one percent, right? So it's a fraction of one percent. Uh-huh. And this is still 2x what he can get. Oh, right? absolutely. And it's still liquid. I mean, 
I guess there's a little bit more speed he could he could get, but it's still in a trading account. I mean, it's still in you're, you're, you still have to go and request it just like you would have to um, this. So very well, similar. But open up. Yeah, I mean, well, you do the math first off. I mean, you double that return. I mean, you got five hundred thousand sitting there, and if you earn say three percent more because you're not paying taxes on it, right? I mean, do the math. That's fifteen thousand more a year. You just earn an interest, and that's tax free. And it doesn't, by the way, in in, in uh, states, you know, other than like California, where you can sue anybody over anything. This is a hundred percent protected from lawsuits and creditors, right? All this money, it doesn't even count. Even if you try to get financial aid, like for student aid for colleges and things like that, this money doesn't even show up on the asset sheet. They don't even count it. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, five twenty nine plans show up. Huh. Like they'll they'll count your five twenty nine plan because that's saved for college savings. But yeah. for this and life insurance, they don't huh. even count it on that FAFSA form. You know, when you're trying to get college funding, so. A lot of our clients will even get it on their isn't kids. That because or it just, doesn't show up anywhere, Chris. I mean, it's yeah, not. It's, it's not. It's not an asset. Anywhere. It's a death benefit, right? I it's, did not so they know say, that. oh, it's part That's of your death cool. benefit. It doesn't count. But we all know we have money in there. It totally counts because the banks count it. They count it as a liquid reserve when you're trying to prove that you have cash reserves. It's you know they have bank savings, checking, money markets, and then cash value life insurance right there on the mortgage applications. So it counts, but uh, cool. for financial aid. They don't count it. Huh. So how young can you take out a policy on a child? What 14 age? days old. So if your kids at least made it past the first two weeks, congratulations. Huh. That was the worst, hardest, riskiest period. After that, insurance companies are willing to, to do it. That's really cool. I did not know that it didn't count on that. That's cool. Okay. Now I'm like, all right, wheels are spinning on my kids and getting just because costs are going up on everything by the time my kids are in college. It's going to be sure. brutal. <laughs> I, I do tell parents though, like if you don't have a policy on yourselves, start with yourselves first. And then once you have that emotion, then you can look at doing your kids because uh, you will get a better ROI on your own policies than you will on your kids. Maybe not long-term, but short-term, you'll get a, a you know less cost coming out in the beginning where kids, you can't get like the preferred plus rating because they just gave kids a standard rating. you know. So, oh, so if you're in good okay. health, it works great. And by the way, that's the other thing because people say, well, who does it not work for? Well, if you're a smoker, it doesn't work great because it's you know a lot more expensive for insurance if you're a smoker. Um, that includes vaping and that kind of stuff or marijuana. You got to be careful with that. If you've quit for at least 12 months, now you have some options. Also, if you're severely like overweight or you have like diabetes or you've had you've been hospitalized for suicide or you know like those kind of things, anything that's kind of high risk, obviously that's going to affect it. But the nice thing is, just like we're kind of talking about here. Even if you can't get a policy on you because maybe there's some bad conditions, maybe you're 70, 80 years old and it's not as good there. Well, you have a spouse that's in good health. You know, I had a, a guy who was a dentist that was 400 pounds in his 50s. He's like, I could probably get a policy, Chris, but it's not going to be cheap and it's probably going to eat up all that cash. Right. I said, Yeah, it would. Yeah. He's like, Well, my wife, she's younger. Also, women live longer, so they're cheaper insurance, anyways, and she's in great health. And so we were now putting like $110,000 a year into her policy versus his because she gets the higher ROI, you know? So there's, there's ways to play the game to make it work in your favor. I love it. The creativity is so, so cool to be able to help people. Um, I think that a couple of takeaways for me have been number one, the liquidity of it, right? And what I was super floored about is what you already mentioned that I don't have to pay it back. I don't like debt myself. It's hard for me. It helps. It uh, prevents me from relaxing, sleeping at night. Well, like that kind of stuff, it stresses me out. So I love when you told me that 
you don't have to pay it back. Like if something happens and you have a life event and you borrowed $50,000, you're okay, which I think is huge for that, you know, comfort level right now with, you know, a recession and stuff that people are confronted with, like, will they have job loss? Will, you know, will things change in their lives? So if you set up a plan and you're saying, I'm going to contribute 20,000 a year and you lose a job or something, what happens at that point? Because you've made a plan to overfund the policy and then you just say, oh, I can't do it this year. What happens there? Yeah, that's a great point. Because that's what happened to me with the very first policy I got where I bought mine in 2006 and the insurance agent that set it up on me. Now understand, I was actually an insurance agent myself, but because I was selling things like universal life and term insurance and things like that, that really weren't that great. I didn't understand whole life. So I had that guy set up a policy on me. Well, he didn't set up to where you can overfund it. So whatever I was paying was the minimum and the max. Like I had to pay that premium. It was about 12,000 a year. Well, 2008 hits, the recession hits. I'm in the whole 15,000 a month. I can't afford to pay anything, right? Well, there's no cash in it. So because there was no cash, I ended up losing that policy. I had paid 25 grand into it, only had a few hundred bucks of that cash that was in there. It, I lost it, all of it. It was like wow. the most expensive ripoff term policy I could have ever bought, but it was a whole life policy, right? Hmm. So what you can do, the way we design it, because again, we design it for minimum cost, maximum returns, right? That's the one guarantee we always have in every single case. So like in that 20,000 a year example, that minimum is only 4,000 a year. So even if you can't do 20,000, great, well then do four. But then someone says, yeah, but what if it's the worst, worst case? What if I can't even pay 4,000 a year because I got laid off? I've got zero. Okay, no problem. Do we have at least 4,000 sitting in cash in this policy? Uh, yeah, we do, right? Especially if we funded that first year, you might've had 16,000. Great, we just borrow 4,000, put it right back in the policy. It's almost like taking money out of savings to put it back in savings. So cool. we're able to use that money and put it right back in anyways. And you really, you could keep that policy going forever from that first year alone, as long as you didn't pull all the money out, you know, liquidate everything. And then you say, now I can't pay a premium. Well, then now you don't have any options. But if you do like what you, we're talking about here, where you make a part of your emergency savings, especially in that early time period where it's part of that emergency fund, you might keep an X amount of dollars in there anyways, just in case. And, and that's a perfect example. <laughs> and I know one thing you told me too, sorry, I keep asking questions, but I was funding mine, overfunding it for a period of time. And then I was just paying the minimum, right? Yeah. Can you talk about why that is? Yeah, you can design it really however you want. Like I said, like uh, with the way we design it, you can always pay less, but you can never pay more. So like in your case, we did it where we were funding it for like seven, eight years. I think we actually did it for less for your case, just because we we're customizing it more for you. But we can design it however we want. But once you get done with that max period, well, at that point, your maximum and your minimum become the same. Pretty much it goes down. So if it's that 20,000 a year, now it goes down to 4,000 a year for however long you want it. Um, here's the great thing is that even though it's whole life and traditional whole life policies mean you pay it for your whole life, you can do something that's called making it a, a paid up policy where anytime after the seventh year, you can stop paying premiums altogether for the rest of your life and it keeps growing guaranteed. So you can stop completely. So when I tell people, hey, your maximum is 20,000 a year, but guess what? You're only required to do 4,000 a year because that's all the insurance company cares about. The, all the rest is just extra yeah. cash for you, right? But even then, worst case scenario, right? Even if you can't pay 
20,000 a year, you pay 4,000 a year and you only have to pay that 4,000 a year for really seven years. You could stop funding it and just make it paid up. Now you'll have a teeny little death benefit, you know, and you'll have some cash in there. It won't be a lot, but you could do that. You could have a guaranteed death benefit for the rest of your life after paying only seven years versus a term policy. You pay for like 30 years. And then just like every insurance company banks on, literally banks on, you stay alive. You don't die in those 30 years. And then you have to renew it again. And then the cost will be way higher. And most yeah. people just say, ah, that's too much. I won't pay it. And the insurance company's like, ching, yeah. like, yeah. I just made money, zero out of my pocket, all profit for us, which is why yeah. insurance companies, by the way, love term insurance. They know that's a pro it is the biggest profit insurance they ever have because um, if you look at their statistics, less than 1% ever pay out of all term insurance policies. Most people either cancel them or total they'll, sense. You know, they'll run total out sense. time or something. Yeah. So it, that's the cool thing is that if you actually go with a mutual company for the whole life policy, mutual companies pay their dividends, not just based on interest rates and their portfolios, but also on their company profits. So all the profits that they make from those term policies get paid to you as someone who's like the, the policy owner for a whole life policy. So you actually, yeah, so we don't, we don't have to hate Dave Ramsey's uh, no, advice. He, he makes about us money. Term. Yeah. I mean, just make sure you buy it with the company that I've got and then I'm cool with it. Yeah. Right. right. I'm, I'm super cool with it. Yeah. I, I used to think that was a really smart thing. And then um, my family started getting sick. Well, that, that's not cool anymore. Thank God we bought a convertible term, you know, yeah. so we could actually convert it into something that worked. But nobody knows when they're going to, I mean, you, you may not die. You may just get sick and then you're uninsurable and That's then right. you're screwed, right? Because That's right. when it's up, no matter whether it's expensive or not, they're not going to insure you. Yeah. You're just out of luck. So you paid for all that time, if nothing to show for it. And you really hope that those stupid mutual funds did a good job for you, I guess, because that's really the only thing you've got left to do with nothing to leave your children other than, I hope, some really awesome mutual funds. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it's amazing how there's, I mean, there's some really smart investors that we all know, right? And even in the real estate space. Um, and it's not too uncommon for them to say, yeah, you just buy cheap term and you just invest all the rest, you know, just keep buying properties, just go, 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 just keep building and building. And I'll have so many assets, I won't need that life insurance. There's a few points here. One, if you do it right, you're going to have a big enough estate that the government doesn't like you anymore. Congress is going to say you're rich and they're going to want to tax the crap out of you, right? Yep. So what does an attorney tell you to do when you're 60 years old and you're worth tens of millions of dollars? They're going to say you need expensive because you're 60 years old, more expensive whole life insurance so that you can actually pay the taxes from your estate, right? So then you have to liquidate all your assets so your family can keep that legacy growing and going, right? There's that. But also, like you said too, same thing. I mean, I've had clients where they've bought term, you know, they they bought and they luckily bought a convertible term to a good whole that could convert to a good whole life. That there you can buy a convertible term with a crappy company like Prudential or something like that. And then you can't convert to anything really good. But you know, like I had a client where he actually had a brain tumor just a few years after we set up his whole life and a term policy. And wow. after that, I mean, even though fortunately he was able to go into remission, he was able to get cured completely. He's completely 100% uninsurable now, right? Yep. Like no one will cover him because he had yep. the brain cancer, even if it's not there anymore. So what are we doing? We're converting that term insurance yep. to whole life. Convert every ounce top. of it. Yeah. At the top um, health rating, because when we got it, it was the health rating when he was in perfect health. 
So the cool thing is, even though the company knows he had a brain tumor, they can't deny him to convert it to a permanent whole life policy at the top health rating where every other company would deny him. So it's, it is kind of a cool thing to strategize that from time to time. Um, but I mean, at the, at the end of the day, when it comes to using real estate investing with this, um, the hard thing is most insurance agents, I mean, really almost all insurance agents aren't investors, right? They're, yeah, they're they thinking don't. purely from, hey, if you put your money in here for the next 20,000 years, you'll have enough money tax-free to live poor. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's pretty much what it's like, right? They'll try to make it sound like it's really cool, but you're really not going to have a whole lot of money. Like you need alternative investments like real estate to do it. The cool thing is if you can lower these costs as low as you can, and then use this not as a way to save up for retirement in 30, 40,000 years, but instead how I can use it even within the first year and use this money to double dip where it can get paid on that money twice, where you can earn return here inside of life insurance and at the same time still invest. You can still do all those things. Yeah, sure. If you look at five years, yeah, you'll win. You know, The person that's just buying term will win because there's those upfront costs in whole life. But once you get past those first couple of years of whole life, it's pure profit after that. Like you're making more than what it costs you. Like it's actually paying for itself. So once you get past the first five years, especially the next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute, I'm now passing the person that just bought term was trying to invest the difference after like five or 10 years because or you're getting that good, double dip effect. One good market correction, take care of that, invest the difference thing too. You know, those, especially with those, mutual funds. Those mutual funds don't play out so hot. I just love it, Chris, because it's a fantastic, very flexible checking account that pays an incredible rate of return for a savings account. So, yeah. you know, I hate it when people call this an investment. It's not an investment, not, but it's an unbelievable savings account with some really cool perks if you're an investor, e even if you're not, but if you're an investor, some really, really cool perks. Yeah. And, Maybe it's not as liquid as heading down to the bank. Well, I guess it is if you've locked it up into a CD so you could get that extra 0.04% that Chase is given. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but if it's just in a savings account at, at your local bank, I guess that's easier to access than this is, but not by much. And certainly yeah. not for the trade-off of 0.05 versus actually 5% yeah. return. So. Um, this is more like an online savings account. You know, online yeah. savings account, you still have to transfer it to your bank. It takes like a day or two to get there. Same thing you could do here too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how this do people nice. get a hold of you, Chris? Yeah. If they want more information. Sorry, bro. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what just I go to say. Money Ripples. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> read my mind, right? Yeah. Just go to moneyripples.com. In fact, we even have an infinite banking section you can look into and, and learn more about it. But just go to moneyripples.com and there's plenty of information. You can even reach out to us through there. Awesome. Sweet. Love it. Sweet. The other thing that Chris does, just for everybody's information, that is and really, really cool is um, that he finds cash flow that you didn't know that you had. And I see his posts. You can follow him on all of the social. And I see his posts about what he's done for people. It's unbelievable. So if you want to know more about what Chris does, take a look at moneyripples.com. Definitely go check out the uh, infinite banking section. But don't overlook the rest of what he does. The reason that his clients love him is because, well, he makes them a pile of cash flow. So anyway, hey, thanks, thanks for you guys too. You're a big help to that. Matter of fact, I just had a guy came, came back recently. He said he was on my podcast and then six months later, sent an email saying, hey, bought some properties and did a few other investments. I'm at 12,000 a month passive income. Like his goal was 10,000 a month. We're like, you got to love it. Done. Here you I go. Financially free.
Thanks. So, so uh, yeah, huge shout out to you guys because he was you guys were part of that plan. Well, we, we work really well together. Yeah, <laughs> sure do. Chris, thank you for your time. Thanks for showing up. Everybody check out his podcast and uh, follow him on the social. Till next week, everybody get out there and make something happen. Thanks, guys. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.